Hi my friends, this is Brownman Beth, and welcome back to The Misfit Musician, the podcast where music and mental health meet. So before we jump into the episode, I just wanted to give you a little update on my life and some things that are going on for me. The main one just being that I've started working towards certification in meditation and mindfulness, as well as holistic health and life coaching. So I think by the end of April, I'll be certified in meditation and mindfulness, and I might start offering some different meditations, guided meditations that are specifically geared towards musicians. So if that's something that you're interested in, make sure you're following me on Instagram so that um, you can keep updated with what's going on with that. It's something that I've been thinking about for a while now and really invested in, and I'm excited to be able to offer a little bit more knowledge in those areas to all of you. I also just wanted to say, I know I didn't put out an episode last week. I was just a little bit swamped and burnout and I needed that time. But even when an episode doesn't come out, I'm here for you. You can hop onto Instagram and message me and or reach out. My email's down below and I'm just here to support you and to walk with you through this journey together. So, today's episode is really great. Oh, hello. My cat just fell off of the couch. So today's episode is with Jay Rosen. He and I have been friends for about five years, I think. Um, I met him when I was working at a music and arts teaching lessons. His story is one that I think a lot of people can relate to and is really interesting. So he went to Ithaca College for music and ended up leaving after two years there um, and started just living life as a freelancer. And while that was fulfilling in some ways, he came to realize that there's things that are more important to him than what he does for work. And so if working as a musician does not allow him to live the life that he wants to live, he's willing to kind of pivot. So right now he's going through that pivoting process. And I found our conversation so incredible. I think he has a lot of wisdom considering the different things that he's gone through on this journey and anyone who is struggling either in music school right now or just living the freelance life i think it's really interesting to hear this perspective from someone who is finding a different path while still holding on to their love of music this episode is so great and i'm really grateful to jay for being so open and sharing his story on here with us Here's my chat with Jay Rosen.
Jay, welcome to the Misfit Musician. Super happy that you can be on here to chat with me. Um, and I thought maybe you could just introduce yourself a little bit. Um, you play a ton of instruments and you've been doing music for a long time. Um, but yeah. Yeah, so hi, I'm Jay. Uh, I, I do play a variety of instruments. Uh, I generally refer to myself as keyboards and guitars and anything that looks like keyboards and guitars. Um, so, you know, on top of piano, it's accordion and organ, and on top of guitar, it's bass guitar, mandolin, ukulele, banjo, uh, slide guitar, steel guitar, you know, things with frets. Everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, at varying degrees of skill level. Like, don't hire me to play banjo, but if you've got a banjo for one song in a show that is mostly guitar, like, sure, hire me. Um, uh, yeah, I've I been playing piano, which is my first instrument, for 23 years now, which is the first time I've done that calculation in a while. Uh, wow. Um, and I've been playing guitar for about 15. Um, I came up as a like a choir musician and a folk musician in high school, and then I, I went to college. Um, I wanted originally to be to write film scores, and it turns out there's like six of that job in the world, and I wasn't going to get one of them, so I decided to be a record producer. Uh, and after two years of studying that, I realized I really just wanted to play music. So I dropped out of college in 2014, and I spent the last seven years freelancing really all over the world, um, thanks to uh, about a year and a little bit total on cruise ships um, as a piano player in some of the house bands. Um, from there, that took me onto a U.S. tour with Postmodern Jukebox, which was about five weeks. That carried me into some wedding band work um, with some regional theater work mixed in. Uh, and then the pandemic happened and everything stopped. And I wound up realizing that uh, if I wanted to make the amount of money that I want to make in my life, I probably should stop being a freelance musician and making, you know, $30,000 a year every year. Yeah. <laughs> so where has that led you to now? What are you doing? So I am, I am currently back in college. I'm a 28-year-old junior in college, which is weird. Uh, and I'm doing a media production degree, so trying to focus on TV, radio, and, and podcasts. Nice. Uh, and and going to look for a normal job, a nine-to-five. You know, one of the things that I realized when I was about 25 is um, it's something that I, I say to a lot of young people these days is that work is the thing that we do in between the things we want to do. Um, and the more I thought about that, the more I thought, you know, work isn't the thing I want to do. If music is the thing I want to do, that's great, but music doesn't have to be my work. Hmm. The thing that I want to do more than anything is I, I want to have a family. You know, I want to get married. I want to have kids. I want to have a stable life that, you know, I was really lucky as a kid. My dad was home for dinner every night. My parents, both of them, had dinner with us every night. And I didn't realize until I was older how unusual that was. And I know that I want to give that to my kids when I have them. 
awesome. Yeah, being a freelance musician doesn't offer you that flexibility because it's like, I'm going to be out on tour. I'll see you in a month. Yeah. That's a really good overview. (laughs) Yeah. That's the elevator pitch. That is Jay in a nutshell. Yeah. So I was wondering what got you into music in the first place because you started pretty young and how, yeah, just kind of how did you fall in love with it, I guess? Yeah. Um, My parents were really passionate about their kids learning music. Um, Not necessarily because they wanted us to be musicians, even though all three of us turned out to be musicians at some level or another, but, but more because... Um, obviously, uh, you know, and, and I'm sure some of your listeners know, music poses so many great learning opportunities for kids um, in terms of, of, of like their cognitive development. And so we had uh, an old upright piano in our house. Uh, I believe it was my great grandmother's. It's a early 20th century Everett piano, and it's it's a lovely instrument, and we always had it. And when I was very young, my brother started taking piano lessons, my older brother. And uh, me being the younger brother, I was like, hey, I want to do that. <laughs> and so my parents started me like a little bit too young at five years old. And uh, I was a terrible practitioner, but I really liked the music making. Um, and then uh, you know, I, I, I kept playing that and I stopped taking lessons around 10 or 11 years old, but I kept playing jazz and musical theater off of any kind of book that I could get. Uh, and then at 13, I realized that piano is really hard to carry around, so I started playing guitar. That's and, valid. <laughs> <laughs> um, just because, you know, I, I was going to a summer camp that had a really strong music culture, mm. and um, I, I wanted to be part of it, and all of the song leaders and the the folk musicians there played guitars because you could go anywhere on a summer camp with a guitar and just sit down and open a case and lead a singing circle and I was like I want to do that my brother was doing that at that point I was like I want to do that and so my parents got me a guitar when I was 13 and uh, then I started doing that one and it was it was was a lot of self-teaching and Uh, exploration on both those instruments from about when I was 10 till well till now really I I haven't had a proper teacher aside from two years in college that I didn't study very hard so when you were at college um, and you decided to leave was there like what led to that decision was there like a particular moment that was kind of like the catalyst for you being like this isn't for me or was it just kind of like over the two years developed yeah so like i said earlier I, I i initially wanted to write film scores so i applied to colleges um i applied to like only four or five schools i applied to every one of them as both composition and music production because to me those were the essential components to write music for film um, and most of them accepted me to both and most of them didn't give me enough money so I wasn't going to go to the ones that gave, that didn't give me enough money. Um, then, so the last one on my list originally was Temple um, that was had accepted me to both. And I was like, great, that's what I'm going to do. And then I got a call from 
the guy who runs the music production department at Ithaca. And now Ithaca had only accepted me as music production. They hadn't accepted me as composition. Mm. Uh, because basically it turned out that, that Ithaca's music production and composition programs were so separate and so distinct in their curriculum that to double major would have taken about five and a half years. Um, and so they were like, we're, we're not going to let you do that. But we really liked you for the music production program. And the guy who runs that program, his name's Alex Perry Alice, who's a legendary metal producer from Ithaca, hmm. uh, sent me an email and he said, hey man, we got your application, we, you know, we accepted you obviously, and we wanted to know if you were interested in coming, if you'd made up your mind. We hand select our class um, every year and every student that we pick, we, we put them in there for a reason. So the fact that you're in there means we want you and let us know what you've decided and if there's anything we can do to help you make up your mind. And I told my parents about it and my parents were like, well, they can give you enough money, so tell them. Yeah. So I emailed him back, you know, 18 year old me, like, hey, uh, thanks for thanks for calling. Um, I can't afford to go to your college right now. And he emails me back the next day. He says, here's the name of the dean of admissions. He's going to call you tomorrow and he's going to find you some more money. And over the course of the next week and a half, they came out with about $7,000 more a year. Nice. That was just like, take this, can you come now? Hmm. Um, and I got the final uh, call. I was on my lunch break at, at school. I was at lunch. And I, I never ate lunch at the cafeteria. I ate in the auditorium so that I could practice. Um, and so I'm, I'm in there and I'm on the phone with him. And I, I call my parents. I'm like, this is what he came up with. It basically works out that four years at Ithaca is the same as five at Temple, which I would have had to do to do comp and music production. And they were like, well, which do you want to do? I was like, I think I want to go to Ithaca. Like, Great. So I went to Ithaca. I got there and it was head first into music production and I loved it. But it was also a classical conservatory and I hadn't taken a piano lesson since I was 10 years old and I was terrible at it. They had accepted me on, on I guess, raw talent or on, on promise, on potential, mm. um, but they were expecting me to do the same you know piano majors were expected 20 to 22 hours a week of practice yeah i was just like i can't do that and my classwork and my music production work that i want to be doing and that i'm actually here to be studying and uh, ultimately i wound up not practicing and not really doing my classwork that much either uh so after my freshman year, I lost my my scholarship. Mm -hmm. You know, it was because it was a three O GPA requirement, which for music students is hard, even when you know what you're doing. Yeah. Um, I, so you know, I was carrying on. about a two eight. Yeah, you know, like I, w I was on music scholarship, which was a three O uh, GPA requirement. I was talking to a guy at Temple who runs the academic advising for athletes. Mm -hmm. Their minimum requirement to stay eligible for sophomore year is a 1.8. So, oh, like, wow. that's the difference between our worlds. Like, that's their bare minimum to stay in school. For us, we can't afford to stay in school without it. Yeah. So, you know, I, I lost my scholarship. I had a, um, my dad has a, a cousin who has done very well for himself. And um, we called him and asked him to co sign an extra loan for uh, my second year and 
he basically said, I, I don't want to need to be responsible if, for anything about your credit. I'm just going to give you the money. And so he gave us about, I think, ten or $12,000. And it was just like, this is for his education. Wow. Use it. I think that's important. And, yeah, I, I wouldn't have got, had a sophomore year if it wasn't for him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm incredibly grateful for that. Um, and I did my second year. And the goal was to get my GPA back up in order to restore my scholarship for junior year and be able to finish. And I got it a little bit higher, but I think by the end of sophomore year, it was only like a 285 and I wasn't going to get it back. And it was starting to get harder and harder to get it back because I was going to have to climb more and more every semester. Yeah. Uh, So I called my parents and I was like, I'm going to come home. I'm going to get a job, try and save a little money and you know, make up my mind if, if going back to college is really what's right for me because more and more I'd been a player and less a, a producer, you know, was pushing me down this track to be a super high-end studio producer or live producer, a uh, uh, live engineer. And the more I did it, the more I was like, this is nice, but I really like having my hands on an instrument more. So there was that kind of double thing of like, I can't afford this. I don't know if I want to be doing this. I'm going to take a year and decide. I came home. I got a job working at Guitar Center because I was a little music nerd who thought that was the right place to be. Uh, I was miserable. I was bad at my job. I didn't save a ton of money. And by the end of the year, I was just like, I'm not going back. Mm. So... That is the incredibly long version of how I dropped out of college. What was that? Uh, what was that decision like? Did you feel like you were letting a lot of people down? Because I feel like yeah. there are a lot of people that believed in you. Oh my god! Incredibly. Um, I had floated to my parents the idea of not going to college in high school hmm. because I wanted to be a, a, a player. I wanted to to play my instrument and do that for work. And I was like, you know, you don't really need to go to college to do that. And my parents were just shut that down immediately. They were like, you're going to college. It's important to you that you go to college. Um, but I think that had been in the back of my mind forever. And so when I had this reason to not go to college, I wasn't you know, heartbroken. I wasn't super upset about that. But my parents were, were bummed. Yeah. Um, sorry, Mom. I know she'll be listening to this. <laughs> Um, and, and my parents were disappointed. My grandmother, my dad's mother, was a teacher. She was very disappointed. Um, I, I think that my cousin, who had funded my second year of college, was very disappointed. I felt bad about that, too. It was just kind of this sense of, like, I, all of these people put their faith in me that I was going to do this and I was going to get through it's four years it's not even that like it's it's a long time it's but long it's not <laughs> a massive amount of time yeah it's yeah. just it's just four years you were in high school for four years you'll you know you, I, you've done terrible jobs for longer than four years everyone in the world four years is just it's a section of your life but it's not insurmountable mm-hmm. and I couldn't get through it and I thought that that was you know, that was, that was me failing all of them. Hmm. How, 
did you kind of like work through those feelings? I, I did didn't. you not? <laughs> I, I really didn't. Um, I feel like it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. I, I buried myself in, in everything else. I, at the time I was writing songs a little more. So I went to open mics. I went to work. I hated my job. Um, I practiced some, I noodled more. Um, I, just, I, I, you know, I, I just did whatever I could to fill time. I, it was hard because everyone that I was friends with was either at college in Ithaca or they were friends from high school who were at college somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So it was very lonely yeah, for, it's hard. Um, for about a year and a half. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, just, just didn't do much and, and tried not to think about it all that much. And I think in my head, once I got out of there, I was like, I'm never going to be able to go back. I'm never going to get the money together. You know, Ithaca's a very expensive college. When I was there, it was about $54,000 a year. Uh, and it's gone up since then. Yeah, that's um, like John Hopkins. <laughs> yeah. That's it's, really expensive. It's outrageous. Yeah. Um, and that's that their their quality of education obviously is so high and the quality of musician that comes out of there is so high but mm. the sticker price is also very high and i you know i i just was like if i'm going to go back i'm going to go back there and i never i never i never thought i was going to be able to yeah and so you- i i just put it out of mind yeah do you think um now like being removed from it for so many years do you have any kind of hindsight i guess of what that experience like what you gained from that experience or how that ended up shaping things for you now well i know i got out at the right time after my sophomore year i accumulated about $30,000 in loans and I was going to collect an additional 30 every year for the next two years. So I was going to jump from 30,000 over two years to 90,000 over four. Uh, And that was a, that was a moment where it was just like, I can't justify this. That's so much, especially as a musician. (laughs) Yeah. So much loans. You know, (laughs) I, I had a friend, um, who was music director on the national tour of Wicked for years. And he, he did a bachelor's and a master's uh, in piano, um, I think at Bloomington, um, the, 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 uh, the University of Indiana. Mm-hmm. Um, or is it Indiana University? It is Indiana University. Sorry, Hoosers. Um, <laughs> But uh, Adam was music director, and you know, he'd accumulated something like $125,000 in loans over six years, maybe one hundred and fifty. But he was an outrageously good piano player. He wanted a master's really badly, and he said, I know that if I get my master's, I'm still going to be able to get the work that will let me pay that. And, and to his credit, he did. He got a union tour at, I think, 25 
And as a music director and a piano player, he was making a dual rate. And he got, I think it was 125 a year, which for a musician, it's, that's, that's it. You've made it. Yeah. You, you're not getting too much better than that. And he was able to pay down a lot of those loans pretty quickly once he got on tour. I was never going to get that tour. I'm not a good enough piano player to play a national tour at that level. You know, I, I do pop and rock music, so most of my work is going to be pop and rock bands. And you know, if you get a really big deal national tour with a band, maybe you'll come away with seventy, eighty, ninety thousand dollars a year. But that's a big if. And I wasn't prepared to make to to take that risk. So, I think that was a, a huge lesson to me was cost benefit in terms of how much am I spending? How much is that worth to me? Uh, the other thing that I learned was how important community was to me because the Ithaca music community is incredibly tight knit. And I was able to build a, a, a group of friends, both other students and, and people outside the, the Ithaca University, uh, the, the Ithaca College environment. Um, and uh, that was so important to me to be able to have people that was just like, I want to play music with you. I, let's hang out and play music. Um, and that's been something that's driven me ever since was just like, I want to be around people and I want to make music with them. And not so much the idea of being in a structured environment, that was a lot less important to me. I just wanted to play. Yeah. That's, those are really valuable lessons. That's really good. So then you went into gigging. And, um, and when we met, you taught me the term hustle. Yeah. And that uh, you need to hustle to get gigs. And, uh, yeah, and you do it better than I did at this point. Oh, thanks. That's kind of you. But I'm just wondering, like, um, what, what was your experience making a living off of gigging? Like, what did you enjoy about it? What did you not enjoy about it? Um, and the idea of community that you were talking about, Ithaca, did you find that in your gigging circles? Yeah. Um, it's hard. And don't let anyone tell you it's not hard. It's hard, and especially as a freelancer like you and I are, it's really lonely sometimes because you're in, you're responsible for yourself and the other people that you work for, like when you're with them, it's great. But then you also have to go out and find your own stuff and you're going to do a lot of things by yourself and where you're standing off in a corner and people walk past you and maybe don't even stop. And you're just trying to... Uh, to, to keep your head on and to not get discouraged. Uh, but at the same time, you're also like, all right, you know, I just have to do 45 more minutes and then I get my 300 bucks mm -hmm. and I can go home. And I did a lot of that. And, um, you know, my, the first two years I didn't gig much. I tried to do open mics. I tried to get into bands, but nobody really wanted me. Nobody knew who I was, so nobody was calling me. Um, and then uh, a friend of mine at Ithaca 
posted on his Facebook, do I know any piano players looking for work? And I was just like, yeah, okay, sure. I had, I had mostly been playing guitar at this point, but I knew I was still a piano player. And I was like, I can do something. Let's yeah. do it. So I sent him a message. And he was like, hey, I just got off of a cruise ship. He had done a Norwegian cruise ship doing a main stage show. It's like, they offered me another one, but I can't do it because I'm going back to get my master's in music directing in Arizona. But the guy, the contractor says, if I knew anyone, I should send him his way. I was just like, yeah, I'll do something. Now, this is about probably August of 2016 or July. So he gives me this guy's email um, at this agency in Florida. He says, send him a message, tell him what's up. I send him a message, hey, I'm, I'm a piano player, I got your name from that, blah, 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 blah. He says, hey man, send me some videos of you playing some stuff. If we like it, we'll schedule a, an in-person audition. Not in person, but but live. I said, so I get my friend uh, Matt Jernigan, who's a fantastic drummer who I adore. I had him come over my house. He brought like a kick, snare, and hat, and we set it up next to my piano, and we did like four quick tunes. We did like a funk tune. We did a gospel tune. We did a, a swing tune. We did one other thing I don't remember. And then I had a, my singer who I'd been working with. She came over, we did a couple of vocal tunes together, cut them all up, sent them off to him. It's like, hey, it sounds great. Uh, we're going to do a live audition on this date. He sends me a uh, Skype link. Uh, we get on the call. He says, here's this page of music, you know, this, this little booklet of music. Print it out. I'm going to call you back in 15 minutes. We're going to play it. I sat, you know, and... and he calls, you know, play this, play this, play this. I read it down. I've always been a good reader, so, you know, I was able to do that pretty well. That's a we get to the end around. of the call. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, it was, the, the idea was you get no prep. Mm. You know, we're going to put a chart in front of you, and we want to see how you read it straight away. Yeah. Because that's a big part of the gig on cruise ships. Okay. Um, I, my first contract, I spent three months of, of like five nights a week, well, four, four and a half months of five nights a week, um, where it was just our band leader would call a tune and we'd pull it out of the folder and he'd count it off. Wow. Uh, and we did that for three hours a night, just doing that. Um, so we get to the end of this call. This is September at this point. And he's like, yeah, man, sounds great. Tap, 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 tap. What are you doing second week in November? And I was like, I don't know, nothing probably. He was like, I think I have a Norwegian ship that I want to put you on. You want to go to LA? And I had a job. So that was like a huge turning point for me where suddenly I was not like the guy doing retail who was trying to be a musician. Now all of a sudden I was a musician. I, that was my job. That was my only job. And that, you know, for all of the miserable experience I had on cruise ships and, and anyone who is interested in cruise ships, please talk to me because I have a lot of feelings about them. And, and you know, it's important to be prepared. I not necessarily don't do it, but understand what you're doing. Mm. Um, but for all of the, the miserable experiences and all, all of the things that being on cruise ships 
uh, uh, did to to me mentally and emotionally, um, it was really valuable to me to be at a point in my life at 23, 24 years old and say, my job is I'm a musician. All I have to do in my life is play music. Mm-hmm. I have three hours of playing tonight, and all I have to do before then is practice. You know, that's it. And I came back from that, and I was a musician. Um, that's when I went on my tour. That's when I started working with bands. That's when I started getting back into theater. Um, it kind of like changed the way that you saw yourself. Yeah, that was that was the point where it was just like everything else I do makes this possible. Hmm. Because I can do this as long as I keep doing it. Yeah. Um, but but as a freelancer, that you know really changes your shape of things, where you have to you have to hustle and you have to keep your head on and keep looking for your next thing. Um, but it's also really fun. Work. Yeah, but it's also really fun because you get to be like, I want to do this thing. I'm going to go find a way to do it. Oh. Or it's just going to be like, hey, someone called me for this thing. I've never done this before, but I think it's going to be really fun, so I'm going to do it. You know, and, and you get to build a community of people you work with that way. Um, where I was, uh, I got connected with a, a friend of mine, Emily Drinker, who's an outstanding songwriter who grew up three houses down the street from me. And she was writing some music, and I had started playing steel guitar, and she called me, and she was like, hey, come play steel on my record. And she opened me up to this world of singer-songwriters that she was involved with, and those are all some of my best friends now, and they're some of the people that I can call for any gig who I'm like, hey, what are you doing on Saturday? Do you want to come play guitar for me? Do you want to come play bass? Like, mm-hmm. these are my dudes. And being able to come back and, and have that regular set of people, you know, that she's connected me with so many groups of, of musicians who want to work with me. That's and amazing. that's so fun to be wanted and to be valued as a musician. Yeah. It's, it's years of work to get to that point. I had a friend in New York City who I worked with who's a, a musical theater musician. He said in New York, um, you give it, the, the rule of thumb is you give it three years before anyone knows your name and another three before anyone calls you. In New York, that's terrifying because yeah. how are you going to make any money if no one knows your name and no one calls you? But it's kind of true everywhere. It's not necessarily three years, but it's a year or two. And once you clear that point where people are calling you, you get to do some really fun stuff. Yeah. So you're gigging and enjoying it. And then mm-hmm. 2020 hits mm-hmm. <laughs> and the pandemic happens and freelancers are out of luck. So what happened for you as the pandemic started going on and what was your kind of internal response to dealing with everything yeah so in i did my last cruise ship after a couple years break was february march 2019 and i got home and I did 
another season of wedding bands and I did some freelance theater um, and I had gotten hired onto the pit at Broadway Theater of Pittman which is not a great paying gig but a decently paying one and it's you know three week run so it's a good chunk of work every time it comes around I was working on She Loves Me there which is a delightful old school musical that I adore um, and anyone who knows me knows that that is unusual um, but I was playing keyboard two on that it's a lot of accordion sounds a lot of string sounds and we, that was March of 2020 mm. and uh, we got to the second weekend of shows and you know I kept seeing these news updates of coronavirus in China, coronavirus in England, coronavirus in New York. And I came to my contractor who was playing our reeds in the pit. I said, hey man, I, I don't know how I feel about this. I don't feel comfortable. This is this at this point is the weekend of March seventh and eighth, mm. uh, so the week before everything shuts down. Yeah. I was like, I don't know if I feel comfortable. I just want to be aware of this stuff. I'm going to keep an eye on what's happening and see where we're at next weekend. Now on March, I think twelfth was when all the sports leagues in the U.S. shut down. Yeah, and everyone was like, we're not doing anything, and. Broadway Theater Pittman did another weekend of shows. And I was there on March 14th, which is a Saturday. That morning I had driven up to New York to pick up my then girlfriend at her apartment in Queens mm -hmm. because we had decided New York was a bad place to be and she was gonna come stay with me for two weeks, we thought. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, I came back and I did the show and you know, I left her at at my apartment and obviously she was acutely aware of how bad this could get because she was in New York which was the epicenter of all of it and so I was like I don't know how I feel about it but like I, I you know I have to go to work I can't bail on it plus my keyboard's still there anyway so I you know best case scenario I'm going to pick it up but yeah. I'm going to play tonight I went and I did two shows that Saturday our houses were at least half empty for shows that had been about three quarters full uh, up to that point. And when just looking around, I said to the contractor, I don't know how we're going to do. We had one more weekend after that, pardon, after that scheduled. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know how we're going to do another weekend of shows. I don't know if I feel comfortable. I don't even know if I'm going to be here tomorrow. Just like full discipline, like full transparency. I want you understand like I'm uncomfortable with this and and he's like you know I, I won't put words in his mouth because he works directly for the theater but he understood um, it was like I'd like you to be here if you can't be here I need your help finding a sub um, I came back on Sunday and I you know I came in to do the show I went to him and I said hey Gary um, this is going to be my last show. If we do another weekend of shows, I'll help you find a sub, but I'm not going to be here. And at the end of that show, he told us we've canceled next weekend. The show we're going to be done. So now I went from four weekends of work to three. My next gig was until September anyway. So in, in some ways it was kind of safe and grace, but I had nothing. And I had, I had no work. 
I had really no savings. I had probably about two grand in the bank total. Um, I had, you know, no one to go see because you can't go see anybody. Um, and now my, my uh, then girlfriend was living with me and, and working from my apartment in South Philadelphia. She's like, well, you go to work, I'll just uh, dick around, I guess, and find something to do. And after about a month of doing nothing and being miserable and playing a lot of video games and wasting time, I, um, I started creating a lot of multi-track videos on Instagram, which you were able to be, be part of. A couple of them, I think, or maybe just I think one. just one, but they were great. They were really good. Um, yeah. They were just because I was like, I have all these instruments around my apartment. I play them all. I'm a decent producer. I'm going to record myself playing all of them, put them on. So it'll be a combination of like stuff to show people, mm -hmm. but also like future audition material where someone's like, hey, how well do you play this instrument? I was like, great. That's one of the ones I'm playing in these seven videos. Um, so... That was fun. And, you know, I taught myself video editing from scratch to make those videos. Wow. Um, and that was a really fun way to, to build a couple of uh, skills and to, you know, spend a full day every time I was making one. It was eight hours of work. So I was like, great, that's a work day. That's, yeah. You know, that's Tuesday gone. What do we do Wednesday? I did that for a couple of months. Uh, but the, the other thing that I learned was that I really, really like not working. I'm really good at it. Uh, and I feel like it, it was the opposite of what a lot happened to a lot of people during the pandemic where they were just like, I'm so bored. I wish I hadn't. You know, I just want to go back to work. I just want to like be around, you know, have something to do. I was like, I love doing nothing. I love like... I get to, to make dinner and like make a complicated dinner because I want to, you know, I get to, to read, which I haven't done in years, mm -hmm. I get, you know, and yeah, I was like playing a lot of video games, which is a habit that I've, I've now stopped because I was spending way too much time on, but I just got to do what I wanted and that was so fun. It was so freeing. You were like feeding your soul. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, it, and it was less. And that was one of the things actually that, that pushed me to go back to college was I was at this point where I, I didn't have to do anything that I hated. Mm. And I'd done so many years of doing miserable gigs that I didn't enjoy and telling people, don't bother coming to this. It's terrible. I was like, I don't want to do that ever again. Yeah. I, I don't want to do that because I need the 300 bucks this week. And I was like, if if I'm going to have to do that, I don't want to do it. Yeah. So that led to you deciding to go back to school. And the difference yeah. now, so still production, but uh, media versus music. So you're not yeah. required to do the performance side of things. Yeah. I mean, it's also like if most music production programs don't require you to be a classical student. Okay. Ithaca is unusual in that their music production program is a bachelor's of music at a conservatory. So, and it, it, you know, it's really valuable for the kids who can do it because you have to be a really good musician to go through that program. Um, and I'm a 
better musician than I am a piano player. Um, so that was that was bad for me. Um, but um, I, I considered music production for about 12 seconds um, because music production is one of those things that like a degree in it is it, it it's mostly worthless either you, you can do it or you can't you're getting your jobs on skills and connections and not on whether or not you have a diploma mm. um, I was like I've been in music I don't really want to stay in music if it's hard to get a good gig that pays enough um, and I'm not willing to mortgage another three years of my life to get up to that level yeah uh to be in music as as a producer that is um so actually i i was between going back for media production and going back to to learn to teach high school math uh i had these two high school teachers who had a really strong influence on me. One was my uh, high school AP physics teacher, um, Mr. Shidley, who was a really great guy um, and a, he used to be a really good DJ. Um, and he, he wouldn't tell any of us any of his stories about being a DJ because I imagine they were too reckless to share with 17 year olds. <laughs> But really cool guy and really interesting guy and had a real fascination with music. Um, and around my senior year of high school, he also became the sound designer for our high school musicals. And, you know, I was able to look at him and at um, my AP calculus teacher, uh, Mr. Comfort, who was a singer and had been a, was a singer in like a, a, like a cover band and look at these guys who were like doing what they wanted to do and like you know being creative in the way that was important to them but also like had a job and had a kid and had the stability to be able to support that yeah i was like i think that's more important to me i think that's where i want to go so i was like i'm just gonna go teach school like i know that i can do that i liked math in high school and I think it'd be fun to teach. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I actually applied to Temple as um, as a, a, a math education major. And after, because I, I was between the two of them, after about two days, I called and I was like, I think I would like being a, I, I talked to people, I said, I think I would like being a teacher more than, or, I would like teaching more than I would like being a teacher hmm. in a in a school, um, and so I called Temple and I said I want to change my major to a media production degree, and thank God I did that because I was able to rescue a few more credits, um, and and change my graduation date from two and a half years to two years. That's great. Um, but more importantly. Um, I was able to get into something that I had a foundational skill set in. And, you know, if I go into it and I hate it, you know, it's easy to become a teacher at that point. Once you already have a degree, you go back, you get a one-year teaching yeah. certificate, and you can do that. And, and so that's 
still my backup plan was like if I'm miserable getting into the media industry, like I know where I go next. Yeah, it probably feels like less of a a gamble because you've already mm-hmm. had some experience in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Have you experienced any kind of like loss of identity as you made this shift? Yeah. Yeah. Um. I still, I, I still am up until literally right now, um, have done a little bit of, of musical theater. Um, I got into Temple back in the spring. I spent the summer at a small theater in Eastern Kentucky, music directing two shows. I did um, uh, I, I did the piano and the music direction for those two shows and I loved it because they were both um, like pop styles. One was a country show, the other was a bluegrass show. And so that was like really, really fun for me to be able to work with musicians who weren't just reading off paper, but who were being creative and being flexible and, and, you know, the kinds of musicians that I love working with. And I know that if I, my whole career was like that, I would never want it to be anything else. But my whole career is not that. Yeah. Um, and then I got back to school and I did virtually no music for three months. And it was just like, I, you know, I had all these guitars behind me on, at my studio space and I was like, you're just there now. You know, I, I'm not. I'm not playing them as much. I'm not exploring. You know, I'm not going out with friends and like playing on their gigs. And it is difficult, and it, there is a sense of. I feel like I'm giving up on the thing that I've wanted for fifteen years. But it's. Uh, every time I, I get caught up in that, I think I want to go back and I want to do more music and I wanted to do a tour and I want, and then I stop for a second and I think that would be really fun and I would enjoy that. But five years from now, I would regret having taken that time because I, that's not where I'm going to be in five years. Hmm. It's very wise. <laughs> yeah. If I if I want to, I could stall it forever. I could, you yeah. know, I I had an, an offer for a tour this semester, and you know that combined with my um, music directing a show down at University of Kentucky, and I was like, I could put these two things together, and that would be a good semester of work. And I would come away with about as much money as I need, and just take the semester off, and I'd push it, and I, and, you know, instead of graduating, whatever it is, May twenty three, I would graduate December twenty three. I was like, yeah, I could do that. And I, you know, I talked to my dad about it, and I talked to my friend about it. And both of them were like, you're being dumb. Like, you can do this, but then you can do it next semester, and you can do it the semester after that, and you, you can do that forever. And you'll keep doing the thing that you're doing now, and you'll keep making $15,000 each of those six-month periods. And, you know, three years from now, you'll have burned through all of it in rent and food, and you'll be right back where you started, and you'll still need to finish your degree to get to the place you want to be. Yeah. Yeah. How do you think that 
And I mean, it sounds like you've kind of been taking a break from music while you've been in school. But do you think that your you relation? To. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I, I'm I'm a full time student. I, there's so much work. I couldn't like I I've done like two or three things a semester, at most. Yeah. I, I, I you can't be a full time student and gig that heavy. Yeah. Do you think that the gigs that you have had, or even just like messing around on your instrument, do you feel like your relationship towards music has changed because it doesn't have to like be something for you anymore? Like it can just be whatever. I don't know if my relationship to music has changed. I think music, music was always the thing that I loved about mm -hmm. being a musician was the playing of the music um, and the sitting down at my instrument and you know, making something happen, that still feels right. That still feels good. And I pick up my guitar and I pick up, you know, sit down at the piano and I can make music and that still feels good. What has changed is my relationship to work. Mm. Um, where I don't think, I don't need to take work that I don't like anymore. The gigs that I take now are friends or um, companies that I like to work for or the kinds of gigs that I really like. I love playing wedding bands. Like, I think they are so fun. Yeah. And so there's like, two companies that I work with that hire me for weddings. And when they hire me, I'm like, yeah, I'm there. Like, don't even have to think twice. Like, marking that Friday off on my calendar. I'm going to be there. That's fun. I get to make four or five hundred bucks, which is great. But it's really, really fun for not a ton of work. Mm -hmm. I sit down and I get to play with six killer musicians and have a really good time for like two or three hours. Yeah. Um, and I don't have to do the 150 buck cocktail hour sitting by myself at a piano for a bunch of people that aren't paying attention. And that's really nice. Yeah. That's awesome. So good. I feel like you're, I feel like this will just keep evolving over the next couple of years as you kind of like finish your degree and then are looking at like work. Um, mm -hmm. But I feel like the thing that stuck out to me the most in this conversation is that you kind of, as like over the last few years have determined like what's most important to you. And then you're just figuring out like, how do I get there? And that music, like something else that you really love doesn't have to like you can have both adjust mm -hmm. in better like ways that serve you better and serve mm -hmm. what you want from life. And I just think that's, that's a really beautiful change. Yeah, there's a fascinating book that I've been reading in bits and pieces for the last year and a half or so. It's called Work Won't Love You Back. It's written by a uh, journalist from West Philadelphia. Her name's Sarah Jaffe, mm -hmm. um, who I adore. Uh, I think she's a brilliant writer, and I think her style is really appropriate for this book. Her thesis basically is capitalism uh, uses the what she calls the labor of love economy, where if you you know the the thing if you do the thing you love, you'll never work a day in your life. Mm -hmm. Well, if you do the thing you love, you also are more willing to take less money for it because you love doing it. And you're like, yeah, I could make, you know, $40,000 right now doing something else, but I could make $30,000 being a musician. I really like being a musician. Yeah. It's like, well, okay, is being a musician worth $10,000 a year to you? Are you willing to pay $10,000 a year to be a musician? Because that's what you're effectively doing. Yeah. 
Um, but it happens in smaller ways than that, where it's, you know, you don't look at that cost-benefit thing. You don't see the $40,000 job. You just see the, I want to be a musician, and that's important to me. Um, and that, you know, you can't spend that. And that doesn't improve your, your quality of life. It, it does. It, you know, it makes you happier, but it doesn't improve your quality of life. You don't get to do the thing, the other things you want to do. Music's not the only thing I love. I love yeah. going other places and I love eating at nice restaurants and I love like going to concerts and I can't afford to do half of those things most of the time. Yeah. And music is not worth that much to me. Mm. Being a professional musician specifically right. is not worth that much to me. I can still play music and I can still play music when I want to and with who I want to. But it doesn't need to be my job because yeah. when it's my job, it doesn't give me the freedom that I want. Yeah, you'll have like a more enjoyable time doing it when it's not mm -hmm. your job. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, thanks for sharing so much. This was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I really appreciate you coming on here and being so open. Yeah, it's it's really important. We There's a lot of this that we're ashamed of. It's hard to admit. It, you know, it took me a while to come to terms with the fact that, like, telling people that my best year I made $31,000, that's embarrassing because I, I spent seven years doing this and I never got better than, like, just barely above the poverty line. That's, that's embarrassing and that's difficult to admit as people because we want to, to feel successful. But it's important for other people to know where we're at honestly. Yeah. Because it helps them understand our lives better and it helps them shape their lives better. Yeah. And if people are going through something similar, kind of questioning like what's next for them, it helps them not feel alone Yeah. to hear stories like that. Yeah. Absolutely. Is there anything else that you want to share? Um, I think anyone who's listening to this, um, If you are, are experiencing doubt about being a professional musician, that's okay. Uh, it's really tempting to buy into that relentless positivity of like, everything's fine, I'm gonna be fine, I'm gonna do great. Like, doing something else is okay. You know, if, you're, if it's that important to you to be a professional musician, and if that's your life's goal and that's the most important thing you can do, by all means, be a professional musician. But if you have other goals, if there's something else that's important to you, like for me, it's having a family. It's being home for dinner five nights a week. And if something like that is important to you and it doesn't fit into the lifestyle that you're going to create as a professional musician, Acknowledge that and look around and, and take inventory and see, like, is there something else that I would be happy doing? And if the answer is yes, consider whether you would be happier. It's, it's okay to leave things behind. Don't abandon things, but that, 
the fact that you've been doing something doesn't mean you need to do it forever. Truth. <laughs> That's so beautiful. Yeah. I can't describe to you how many 15-year-old actors I've talked to. It was like, what do you want to do? You want to be in Broadway? What else do you want to do? Why do you want to, why do you want to be on Broadway so bad? Because recognize, even if you are excellent at your craft, getting onto Broadway is a crapshoot. Yeah. And is is everything that goes with that really the most important thing to you? Hmm. Well, <laughs> thanks, Jay. Yeah, that's this is great. That's, that's I think, me. I think this. I think people will get a lot out of this. This is really awesome. So thank you for coming on here. Sure. Thank you. So there we have it. That's my chat with Jay Rosen. I hope you gleaned a lot from that conversation. I think he had so much to offer. And I'm sure there's aspects of what he was talking about that all of us can relate to in some way, even if our story has looked a little bit different. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast, leave a rating if you feel so inclined, and that's it, friends. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful week, and just remember, you are magic. Live in love.